0: Slash /conference. I hope to see you there.
1: If you work in talent development, you know that your job has become more important than ever. The problem is there's so much uncertainty and noise out in the business world, and things are changing so fast, it's hard to know where to go and what tools and resources to use to solve your problems. That's why I created the Talent Development Think Tank community as a central place to connect with other L&D professionals so that we can share best practices, share challenges, ask questions, and get solutions that help us improve the way we work. Join today to get instant access to our community of ambitious, helpful talent development professionals who understand your world and can help you solve your problems. Right now, you can join for just $1 for the first two weeks and experience the community for yourself. And because you listen to this podcast, you can take an extra 10% off by using the discount code HOTSEAT, all one word, that's discount code HOTSEAT when you check out. Just go to our website, tdtt.us, and use code HOTSEAT. That's tdtt.us.
0: Head on over there, use the code HOTSEAT, and we'll see you inside. Now enjoy the episode.
2: Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat with your host, Andy Storch. The show is dedicated to helping you develop the most important part of your organization, the people. If you are in HR or talent development, or you just want to learn how to get the best out of your people, then you are in the right place. Each week, Andy shares interviews with talent development professionals, thought leaders, and experts to share best practices, learn about the latest trends, and find out what has been successful in the world of talent development. This podcast is designed to give you what you need to be successful in the world of talent development. Now, here's your host, Andy Storch.
1: Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I'm excited that you are joining me today for another fantastic interview. And I've got a great one for you today that is all about using rituals to improve engagement and productivity, as well as inclusion in the workplace. Today's guest is a best-selling author, internationally sought-after speaker, and founder of The Spaghetti Project, a roving ritual devoted to sharing the science and stories of relationships at work. She helps top-of-the-class businesses, organizations, and individuals improve their performance by honoring relationships in every context, always with an eye toward high-tech for human touch, and was named one of Marshall Goldsmith's Top 100 Coaches in 2020, as well as Business Insider's Most Innovative Coaches of 2020. Her best-selling book, Bring Your Human to Work, 10 Surefire Ways to Design a Workplace That's Good for Your People, Great for Business, and Just Might Change the World, was published in 2018. And her newest book, Rituals Roadmap, The Human Way to Transform Everyday Routine into Workplace Magic, was published just in January of this year. And I'm really excited to introduce you to my guest today, who is Erica Keswin. In this interview, we talk all about what are rituals, why they're important, what is the business case and why it's important to think about creating rituals within your team and your workplace. And Erica shares a lot of examples of rituals that have been used in different organizations and how they've provided so much purpose, how they've provided psychological safety, inclusion, and especially improved engagement and productivity. If you work in a team or an organization and you've thought about developing rituals or wondered how your rituals or habits or routines can be beneficial, or really how to divide your work and home time now that you don't have a commute anymore, this is going to be a great interview for you. So without Further ado, here is my interview with Erica Keswin, all about rituals at work. Hey, Erica, welcome to the podcast.
2: Thank you so much.
1: I'm so excited to have you on here to talk to you. And I'm, first of all, I want to say I'm grateful to our mutual friend, Lindsay Pollock, for introducing us. She always introduces me to the best people. And I can already tell you are included in that just from our short chat before we started this interview. I'm really excited to dig into both of your books, but especially. Your latest book, "The Rituals Roadmap: uh, The Human Way to Transform Everyday Routines into Workplace Magic," because I am all about habits and rituals, and I want to talk to you about those oh. and if there's a difference, and you know how people can really adopt those. But you know, before we do, I, I'd love to just start with a little bit of your background. You know, how did you get into all of this and become who you are today?
2: Great. So I've been in the human capital space for about 25 years, which I describe as helping companies improve performance through people which you know clearly you can relate to that in, in your world as well and you know in a lot of ways it's it's connect, i feel lucky it's connected to who i am as a person you know if you started interviewing people from you know grammar school and business school and my work life, and, and say you know what's one word that you would use to describe Erica? It would probably be connector. So I've really done a lot of work around how to connect people to each other, how to connect people to jobs. I've been an executive recruiter, and and how to connect, you know, culture to all other aspects of of the workplace in terms of systems and and processes. And so, you know, I've been in the, in the work a long time. The big shift that came for me that when I went from doing it on the consulting side to being an author and a speaker was really seeing the impact of technology um, on myself personally, with my kids and my family, and in the workplace. And, you know, walking around, found myself in two, 2010, it kind of dates me, but walking around my house with both a Blackberry and an iPhone. And saying, "Ha, huh, you know what, I've always been such a connector and these devices are, are keeping me less connected mm. to people and to ideas. And at that point, I really begin, began to kind of roll up my sleeves and look at the impact of technology on how people connect at work, kind of the good, the bad and the ugly. And that was really the beginning of getting into this work.
1: Very interesting. And uh, I never had a BlackBerry, but I've had an iPhone since the beginning, 2007. I still remember. You're probably
2: much younger than I am.
1: Yeah, I don't <laughs> know about that. But uh, anyway, I've always, we have much in common. I've, I've long considered myself a connector as well, taken pride in that. And I always think about how much I love technology and social media for being able to keep us connected. But of course, there are some, some pitfalls and, and ways that social media and technology especially can keep us disconnected. Mm -hmm. So how do you, how do you look at those when you talk about, you know, technology almost keeping us from being connected in the workplace?
2: So, well, and it's interesting talking about this now post pandemic when without the technology, we, we wouldn't have felt connected at all. So it really is an interesting moment in time on this topic. You know, I have a chapter in my first book, bring your human to work called finding the sweet spot. And it's all about how do you find the sweet spot between tech and connect? So how do you leverage all of the greatness about technology? I got my microphone here. We're on Zoom. You know, we're, we're connecting via technology. But then how do you also put technology, you know, in its place and connect using different mediums and connecting, you know, in different ways? And so, you know, when we think about communication along a continuum from, instant message and text and slack to picking up the good old fashioned, you know, phone to walking down the hall, you know, when we were in person to getting on a plane or train and going to see someone, you know, all of those mediums are not created equal. And, you know, I actually, I have a podcast as well. It's called left to our own devices, you know, Mm. excusing the oh so cheesy pun, but left to our own devices, we're not connecting. And so I love technology, you know, more than the next person or as much as the next person, but we, we need to use different mediums and we need to also put that technology in its place and sometimes turn it off.
1: Yeah, and I've thought too that, you know, since the the pandemic started and and pushed everybody into, you know, quarantine or working remotely, you know, going back to March, April of 2020, that there's more opportunity than ever to connect with people and to network and communicate, but people need to be a lot more intentional about it, right? You can't run into someone at the water cooler and, you know, to your point, before I could see the argument that, hey, you need to get off technology and go walk around the office and just talk to people or walk around your neighborhood and go talk to people. But now there's not as much opportunity to do that. So technology becomes more important, but we've got to be a lot more intentional, right, with how we use it to make sure we're, mm-hmm. we're using it the right way.
2: Right. And one of the ways to do that, that's, you know, you're, you're really getting at sort of the intersection of my two books, because one of the things I realized after bring your human to work and, and interviewing all these leaders about how they were creating a more human workplace, I had this aha moment one day, and I was like, wow, many of them, if not all of them are using rituals Mm. as a tool. Um, to connect people to each other, to connect people with direct reports, their boss to clients and customers, and even for people to connect with themselves. And that's when I went on this journey to write this book about, about rituals. So I agree. I mean, we we could use technology to be on our team meeting on Zoom, but we may not be, we might be looking at each other, but we may still and oftentimes are not feeling connected. And it can have the opposite effect. You know, we're, we're alone together. You know, we're on the Zoom, but everybody's multitasking, doing yeah. their thing. So I agree. We have to be intentional. And one tool in our toolbox is to say, okay, everybody, at the beginning of our Wednesday meeting, we're going to have a ritual that kicks off the meeting. You know, we're going to, you know, Eileen and Eileen Fisher, the clothing company, they ring a chime. You know, mm-hmm. many companies now have been having like a moment to take a couple deep breaths. One leader shared with me recently a ritual around checking in and not to have it, you know, in the beginning of the pandemic, people were checking in for 60 minutes of a 60-minute meeting. We have work to get done, so we can't always do that. But, you know, he shared a ritual where everybody goes around the, the video or the Zoom and gives one adjective that just describes how they're showing up that day. And, you know, everybody is involved. It's very inclusive. You let your introverts know ahead of time, you know, what the question is going to be. Yeah. But what it does is it, it gives people that moment to, to connect with each other. But it's also important for business because if, you know, especially with everything that you've been going through, you know, on the yeah. personal front and on the health front, right. you know, if you share that you are just flat out exhausted from your treatment um, and you know, you give a word like that. It gives me an opportunity as your colleague to say, you know what, I'm going to step in, you know, and help Andy or the manager can then follow up with you later hmm. to to really get 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 a sense of what's going on and and see how he or she could provide support. Yeah,
1: and I, and I'm I think that for a lot of groups and teams and organizations are really probably finding their stride now. In the beginning, it was about all that communication and checking in all the time, like you said, and then it's easy to get down the road of just business as usual. We're just going to talk about business, business, business. But as you and I have already started to discuss, like there's a lot of burnout going on in the world. we still need to make sure that we're checking in with people uh, to see how they're doing. So you introduced this concept of rituals. Let's, let's take a step back. You know, what does that mean? What is a ritual and why is that important in the workplace?
2: So a ritual, here's my definition of ritual, it has three parts. The first is a ritual is something to which we assign a certain amount of meaning or intention. The second part is that a ritual is something, there, there's typically repetition with it. So it could be something that we do every day, every morning, once a year. I mean, I did something on MSNBC during the inauguration about inauguration rituals, right? And we know the repetition or the cadence is every four years. The last part is really interesting, which is a ritual is something that goes beyond its practical purpose. So what do I mean by that? I'm, you know, sitting in my room right now in New York City. And if the lights go out, if I were to light a candle so I could see what I'm doing, you know, that's not a ritual. But if I light a candle every day at six o'clock to help me transition from the workday to my home life, especially given that I'm working and living in the same physical space. And I'm doing it with intention. There's a reason why I'm doing it, and I'm doing it every day. There's repetition, but I'm not doing it so I can see. You know, there's a, I'm doing it for something that goes beyond a real practical purpose. So that's my working definition of a ritual.
1: Yeah, and I've heard of the the ritual as almost dividing that line between work and home, or you know what you just described about the candle. I think a lot about you know before COVID, most people had a commute where they yep. were spending thirty minutes in a car or on the subway, or on the bus, on a train, and then they walk in the door and they see their family and, you know, they check the mail and that's like how they know, like they've left work and they're home now. But most people who are working remotely don't have that anymore, right? Like the computer is always there, you're working until whatever the time is yeah. you decide to stop working. So have you noticed a need for people to develop more rituals to kind of, you know, set that that boundary or that guideline between... Yeah. A
2: hundred percent. I mean, so many people are talking about these faux, these fake commuting rituals. You know, a woman shared the other day. She goes and she walks for thirty minutes, like around the block, mm. which which equates to the amount of time she used to be on the subway. Um, yeah. You know, people aren't missing the traffic per se, but they are missing the 30 minutes of their favorite podcast or yeah. the 30 minutes where they could, you know, pick off the cheerios that their young kids had like thrown all over them and get out of parent mode into work mode. Yeah. And so they're missing that. And so without it, you need to to, you know, rituals are again an amazing tool. You know, they they ground us. They give us some structure out of chaos. Mm. And so more and more people are talking about these these trans, transition rituals you know, whether it's a candle or washing your hands, which are good these days for many reasons, but especially because we're not going anywhere. Like right. we're, we're, I mean, some people are living and working in the same room, the same apartment, you know, and, yeah. and so it's really helpful.
1: Yeah, very true. And, and the work is always there. I was going to ask you if you define a difference between a ritual and a habit, and it sounds like a lot of that comes down to kind of how you define it. And, um, what did you say that if, you, if it provides meaning beyond, you know, what it would normally do in a, in a normal situation? Yeah.
2: And it's about intention because with a habit, I mean, you could have an intention, but mm. I, I did a talk recently with a woman that focuses a lot on health and weight loss and weight loss mm. habits. And, you know, it was, it's almost, you know, a, a, a habit is almost more rote you know, back of the brain, like I want to get in this habit where I don't have to think about and forcing myself to get up and exercise um, versus front of the brain, you know, intentional, meaningful, yeah. like or pull versus push is almost another way to think about it.
1: Yeah. So what are some of the advice that you share for people and companies to incorporate more rituals into the work they do? Yeah.
2: Well, the first thing I'll, I'll say, I'll, I'll give you some examples, but the, there is an ROI, You know, in a lot of my work, and I don't know if you find this being in the human capital space, you know, I, for years, not that people were saying it to my face, maybe it was under their breath or behind my back, you know, about this is more touchy feely and the softer Mm. side of business. And so I, knowing that and feeling that and and experiencing it a lot of, in both my books, I try to approach it from the perspective of both the the stories around these issues, but also the science, like what is the ROI? Yeah.
1: What's the business case for Yeah. What is
2: the business case? And so the business case, the way that I framed it in the book is I created something called the three P's of rituals. And this is what rituals give us from an organizational standpoint. The first P is psychological safety, that rituals give us a sense we feel more connected to others and ourselves when we have rituals. The second P is purpose. Rituals give us an opportunity to connect to purpose and to connect to company and organizational values. And if you add those two together, you get the third P, which is performance. And, you know, I'll share two small anecdotes on that. And, you know, the first is if we think about personal performance, you know, you like to run. I think I saw it maybe on your Instagram or somewhere, or maybe but you run, are you a runner or a biker? What did I see?
1: I'm not much of a runner, but uh, I do like to do a lot of yoga. I ride my right. bike. Okay. Uh, yeah, I wait, that's what ones. it is. I
2: saw you riding your bike, I think, okay. on your Instagram, yeah. but definitely outside. Yeah. So when we have rituals, we feel, you know, you get that burst of oxytocin. Mm. You know, your cortisol goes down, your feel-good hormone, your oxytocin goes up. At work, you know, similar things happen. I mean, rituals around onboarding. How do you make people feel more connected that beginning of the meeting ritual where you get that burst of oxytocin and one of the studies found that when you know for when people work at organizations that they describe as high trust where they can really just bring their whole selves because they feel that psychological safety they are 47% more collaborative and over 50% more more productive so real bottom line implications
1: For over three years now, the Talent Development Hot Seat Podcast has been proudly sponsored by Advantage Performance Group. Advantage Performance Group provides creative learning and consulting solutions that equip individuals, teams, and organizations to be the best at what they do. Advantage helps leaders lead, sellers sell, and businesses flourish, and you to be more successful at your job. The Advantage website
0: has great free resources, including this podcast and an amazing webinar series that include topics such as innovation, future storming, inclusion, sales,
1: leadership, and so much more. To get access to all of our free resources, as well as overviews of the solutions that Advantage offers, just head on over to advantageperformance.com. That's advantageperformance.com. Yeah, and that that goes down to that important factor of psychological safety and inclusion, right? Do people feel like their work matters, that they are included, that they can be themselves and be part of they're included in the rituals, which I'm sure is an important factor of yep. creating rituals, is that they are inclusive, inclusive, right? Yeah.
2: hundred percent. Yeah. And the inclusivity is a big, is a big, big part of it. And you know, some people will say, like, if you're not careful, I mean, rituals can create an amazing sense of inclusion, or if you're not careful and and look at these rituals through the lens of your values. Um, it could maybe even have the opposite effect. So, you know, what what could that look like? If I say to some, you know, to a leader to describe the rituals in their organization and all of them are around, you know, happy hour and drinking, you know, not everybody drinks. I had someone who was, you know, recovering, you know, in AA saying, you know, this makes me feel really uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. yet this is the way everybody bonds at work, or if everything happens After work at six or seven o'clock, you know, what about the people taking care of elderly parents and what about the people, you know, taking care of their kids and so you know it's it's a way to it's again a really powerful tool, but we need to think about it through the lens of of inclusion
1: yeah it's it's so funny this may be a bad example but over the weekend i was watching the movie wolf of wall street again i don't know if you've ever seen that but just about the a lot of it's about the kind of the debaucherous culture on wall street especially in the 80s and 90s and very strong culture a lot of rituals and not inclusive exactly
2: exactly exactly
1: (laughs) oh man it is crazy a lot of drugs and alcohol okay so You talked about psychological safety. You also mentioned purpose, and I think this is a really important one as well. How do you think about this and making sure that rituals are connected to some type of purpose? And is this like a greater purpose? Is this the company purpose and values? Is this personal purpose and values? Like, what do we have to think about for this?
2: You know, I think it's it, it's both. And it, and, and it depends on when you're thinking about rituals at work, rituals at home. I mean, those two can completely overlap, or sometimes they might not. Ideally, hopefully, you're working for a company whose values you share from a personal perspective, or we could have a whole other podcast just on that topic. Um, and I'm looking right behind you to the cover of your book, right? Own Your you know your career, own your life. If it's not aligned, then you know you need to run yeah, the other way. So, that, right. so ideally, they are at least similar. You know, I called the book Rituals Roadmap because the idea is, from a company perspective, the roadmap is looking for opportunities for rituals all across the employee experience from onboarding to meetings to you know having lunch together remotely or in person to recognizing milestones and professional and personal development you know all of that so in that context you know the rituals really should align to the soul and the essence of what you stand for as an organization and interestingly as i started to interview leaders i came up with a question that helped me help them figure out what their rituals are. I give them the definition. I talk about the ROI and sometimes they still weren't sure, you know, Oh, is this a ritual or is this a ritual? So I'm going to share it with your listeners. I'm going to give it away. This is, this is the, the magic, uh, question. I, so for example, I asked, um, a woman named Marisa Andrada, who is the head of HR at Chipotle. And I would say to her, okay, Marisa, when do employees at Chipotle feel most Chipotle-ish, you know, when do they feel most like a Chipotle employee? And all of a sudden she'd be like, oh, it's every morning at 1015 before the doors open at 1030 when, when the, you know, people that are working in the store sit around the table and have a meal together after the lettuce is cut up and they, you know, have made the guacamole. And then she went on to say, and by the way, this ritual, here's how it's connected to our four values. Um, around, you know, what we do. And so that was the perspective I looked at from a a business, you know, from the business standpoint, you know, and personal is not that much different. I mean, what's your personal roadmap? You know, how do you spend your time? Does your calendar reflect your values? And, you know, where are there rituals in your life? Whether it's when you wake up every morning, a lot of people have talked about rituals around gratitude, the commute or the the transition rituals where, you know, Mm -hmm. that we talked about. There's a very important chapter around taking a break, you know, that we can't sit in front of these computers all day and we're not going anywhere. So for our health and for our body and psychologically, we've got to get up and moving. So a lot of people have been creating new rituals around taking breaks, which are aligned to their own values and, and health and wellness goals as well.
1: Yeah, it's such important stuff. And I have Long been a fan of uh, having rituals in the morning, especially a morning a strong morning routine. So mm-hmm. I generally get up early and, and meditate every morning first thing, and then do some reading, some writing, take a walk. All that has been part of my morning ritual or morning routine for many years now. One thing I've struggled with, and I bet other people do as well, is uh, you know taking that break during the day. Mm -hmm. When, even if I've got kind of an open schedule, some days are back-to-back meetings and interviews like this all day long, but even if it's kind of open and I say, Oh, I'm going to take multiple walks today and get 10,000 steps. There's that pressure to keep going and be quote productive, right? How do you help people develop that ritual of like, okay, I'm going to take a break to take care of my health. And I know it's important that I have this ritual uh, as important as anything else that I do in work.
2: Yeah. So I think when it feels like a box check and more of like a push, like I've Mm got to do this, you know, it's not really a ritual versus saying to yourself, you know, what is that meaning and intention? I know that I need to take a break. I know that I will be more productive later if I get up, if I get some air, but also looking at it in terms of the purpose and values question, you know, does my calendar, Reflect my values. I mean, one a personal example I can give on this was I was feeling like I was not up and moving, even though I'm not commuting. I'm no longer on that many planes, really any planes. Right. You know, I was on the road all the time, speaking and you know, doing my doing my work. And yeah, now same. it's all from home. So I'm sure same. So you think you have all this time, yet the whole day could go by and we haven't moved. Yeah. So I was doing this analysis that I recommend you know, for everybody else to do, which is really looking at their calendar. And one of the things I realized was that if you and I were having the same conversation a year ago, I would have said, you know, one of the things I'm really trying to do, but I feel like it's more of like a push than a pull, is like my kids are all over the place. Everybody has sports. We're never having family dinner. I'm like feeling guilty about it and and I need to get it on a calendar. But it didn't really feel like a ritual because there was so much pressure around it. Hmm. Fast forward a year, And I have more family dinners than I know what to do with. My kids are begging me to go out for dinner. Like the last thing they do is want to have dinner with us. Uh, They're all teenagers. I don't really feel like having dinner with them either right now. So, but what I did realize when I did that sort of calendar values analysis was I was really missing like my friends, my girlfriends that Mm. fuel me in many ways. And I started a new ritual which combined this desire for connection with this close friend and the need to take a break. Mm-hmm. And it felt there was meaning and intention behind it, and it didn't feel forced. So we go for a walk. We have a certain day at a certain time. We're on different time zones. We're not on video. We're on the good yep. old fashioned phone. Yeah. And we're both out in nature walking. If it rains, you put on a raincoat.
1: Yeah.
2: And so, you know, connecting it with that example to my values, it didn't feel. Like, oh, I need to go take a walk or I should take a walk. So yeah. that's how I've been approaching it.
1: I like that a lot. And I, I do a lot of that as well. So I love Zoom and video technology, especially for a situation like this. You and I have not met before. We get to be able to connect visually and, and get to know each other. Uh, when I'm catching up with friends, especially those that I talk to often, I'll usually say, hey, let's, let's do it on the phone. I'm going to do a walk and yeah. talk. And I'm going to go out and take a walk. And I do a lot of those walking around yeah. my neighborhood, doing circles, Around a lake or something while I talk on the phone, and it's a great way to get steps and exercise and get outside, fresh air, and yep. still have conversations and feel like you're being productive, right? However, you define that.
2: Yeah, it's it's about like we like we talked about in the beginning. You know, you le- how do we leverage all of these different mediums, matching the message to the medium? There's going to be certain times that that you know we want to see the other person. Like if you're a, if you're a leader and you're listening to this, like I really do believe that once a week try to get a time where everybody has that camera on and remembering that there's a person behind mm-hmm. the screen, but it doesn't have to be all week every hour, you know, that you can give people some of the, the flexibility to turn the camera off.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So what are some other things that, you know, people listening to this are going nodding their head going, yeah, we have some rituals. We could definitely be leveraging this more. What are some other things that they could be doing to establish healthy rituals for their organization, especially in this virtual world?
2: So I'd start with asking yourself that question, or, or if you don't know the answer, get some people within your company to ask them, you know, when do employees feel most blank, you know, most like your organization, sort of the essence and the soul of what you stand for. And it's amazing the answers that that you'll get you know it's it could be oh when we did this when i got hired i had a coffee with the founder that i can't imagine not having like this it will give you an idea of what kinds of rituals are really sticky and that are rituals which ones you should try to maintain you know it could how do you reinvent the annual award ceremony or you know there's a, a anecdote in the book about this one manager who gave everybody a golden toilet um hmm. you know to celebrate you know, the person with like the worst idea of the week because she felt like from a values perspective, if they weren't failing, they weren't really pushing hard enough in terms of their own creativity. So, you know, find out what people say and then think about it from the perspective of the employee life cycle. I think onboarding rituals right now are really, really important. You know, you only get one chance to make a first impression or I talk about, you know, start as you mean to go on. Um, and how do you get people connected to the culture even before they start? Like the day they get their offer, um, what are the values? How can you help them bring them, bring them to life? And they're, they're not even meeting anybody in person. They're not stepping foot inside an office. So it's really important. And I, and I also think, you know, the, the ritual of thinking, you know, gratitude and saying, thank you and, and celebrating, you know, not just the big wins, but also the small wins.
1: Yeah. Oh, so many great examples and important rituals in there. So, Erica, I know you interviewed a lot of people for this book, and you talked about some of the great rituals that you heard about, like the breakfast ritual at Chipotle and um, the the hiring rituals and things to bring people together. Were there any you heard about that were really surprising? You know, you couldn't believe that this was effective, or that companies did something like this, or had a great return, or just kind of, you know, surprised you that that this was going on.
2: Now, one of my favorite rituals um, in the book is at Allbirds, you know, the cool sneaker company. And you know, one of the things I love about rituals is that they can come from anywhere, top down, bottom up, inside out. And then some of the best ones just start and stick and, you know, they go from there, very authentic and organic. So this ritual is called 40 at 4 And it started when one of the employees pretty early on, you know, not necessarily a senior person was. Went to the doctor and, and was having some health issues and decided to set some health and fitness goals for himself, and decided that he was gonna do a certain number of push-ups um, between that day and the end of the year. And he took that number and he divided it by the number of days left in the year, and the number came to 40. So he said to himself, All right, I'm gonna do 40 push-ups every day between now and the end of the year to meet my goal. And he, of course, he was doing them in the office. And then the guy next to him joined and the woman down the hall joined. And next thing he knew, every day, you know, it was a much healthier version of the smoke break, right? Um, or the dark chocolate and, you know, coffee chugging break. And he would, you know, everybody was doing these push ups or watching the people and people doing the push ups. But right. regardless, it was a time when people took a break, they connected, they laughed, they, you know, and they were even productive. They, oh, I, Oh, Andy! You know I meant to ask you, and you know then you would save yeah. you eight emails later in the day, and so I was able to go back with them during the pandemic. I thought, oh my gosh, everybody's doing these push-ups in the office, and now nobody's in the office, and they continued to do it um, with everybody remote, and they just um, people somebody would make a video of themselves doing push-ups or taking like one of the, like a, pet, a dog or a cat and doing you know arm lifts or something. And sending it around. And it goes back to that question you asked earlier. And we talked about the ROI. You know, seeing that video and reminding people, you know what, this is why I do what I do. This is why I, I like my colleagues and they're funny. And this is keeping me connected to our company and our and our values. And it's like it's small and it's goofy. And and people are like, Really? Like an ROI? Like, yeah, yeah, get stronger biceps. But but no, it really is, you know, when do people at Allbirds feel most Allbirds-ish? You know, it's when they're yeah. doing their pushups at four o'clock.
1: Yeah, it brings people together. It reminds me of a couple of things. One, many years ago, I worked for a, a really cool consulting company called BTS. One of my mentors there was a senior guy and we worked on projects together and we started doing a ritual where, first of all, anytime we made mistakes in the project, we'd celebrate by doing pushups in the, in the office. <laughs> and then we'd also do like, not every day but often every Friday we do these plank challenges and push-up challenges in the office he and I and then other people would join in and it was just a great way to you know connect people camaraderie you know um, health and fitness of course is a factor as well uh, and then back when uh, COVID started and all the gyms shut down I was uh, starting to go you know to the park and look for alternative ways to, to work out and a friend of mine in one of the communities I'm in started a, a push-up challenge and a spreadsheet a google sheet <laughs> and everybody who wanted to participate and there were about 25, 30 of us would put in their number of pushups they did every day. And everybody was on their own track, their own challenge. But, you know, it kind of provided that camaraderie and accountability for people to keep doing more and more and get better. And it was because of that, that I did more pushups in a day than I had ever done. I ended up doing uh, during the height of the lockdown, a thousand pushups in one day.
2: Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah. Because we were all kind of tracking and and pushing, you know, egging each other on. And I would take my kids with me to the park and just go do a bunch of push-ups while they ran around and i think we we often underestimate the value and power of community and accountability when we're trying to achieve any kind of goals whether they're mm-hmm. health and fitness or work goals or anything else and i love the 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 idea of incorporating rituals into that to to help push people along
2: yeah no, oh, i love that a thousand push-ups that's cool.
1: thousand i remember when i did 500 and that seemed like a lot and then i did a challenge with a couple people and we got to it or i got to a thousand which was really cool right. That is the end of the free and public portion of my interview with Erica Keswin, all about rituals. If you want to dive in deeper and learn more about rituals at work, I highly recommend you check out her book, Rituals Roadmap The Human Way to Transform Everyday Routines into Workplace Magic. Now, this interview continued where I asked Erica questions about her career, her biggest successes, her biggest failures, the trends she's following in talent development, the book that she recommends most often, and her biggest career advice to help you in your career. That interview or that portion of the interview is available only to our members inside the Talent Development Think Tank community. We have launched a private members-only podcast for our members, and we'll be sharing bonus content as well as select portions of our interviews with guests on that podcast. So if you'd like to hear the rest of my interview with Erica, come join us inside the Talent Development Think Tank community. It's a nominal investment to get you inside. Not only do you get access to the bonus content from our podcast, recordings from all of our calls, our Slack group where we exchange questions, challenges, information, articles, and even jobs, but you also get to join our live calls that we have every single week with guest speakers like Erica and others, as well as our networking calls where we talk with each other, we network, we get to know each other, we find ways to support each other. It is all about community and helping each other out and supporting each other in the talent development world. If you'd like to join us, we'd love to have you. As of right now, we are still offering a $1 trial, $1 for your first two weeks in the community before you pay our regular price. And you can get that by going to our website, tdtt.us. That's tdtt.us. Check us out. Send us any questions you have, and we'd love to see you inside. Have a great week.